Hello and thanks for joining me on LockPod. My name's Katie Ringsdor and today I'm joined by Guy Rigby. Now you may remember from a previous episode that Guy and his friend David Murray were attempting to cross the Atlantic and set a new world record whilst rowing. They did it, they did it in 53 days and I'm absolutely thrilled to have Guy join me today on LockPod. Thank you for joining me again on LockPod, Guy. I mean, last time I spoke to you, you were about to uh, set sail across the Atlantic rowing and you've done it i mean congratulations thank you yeah how how was it tell me a little bit about uh the uh the adventure well i don't know where to begin really um obviously we uh since we've last spoken uh, you know we i was away for the best part of three months a couple of weeks preparing in lagomera uh, we wondered what we were going to do, kicking our heels in Lagomera for a couple of weeks in in, uh, in the Canaries. But actually, it turned out that we were really busy all the time and packing the boat, unpacking the boat, repacking the boat, buying bits and pieces, uh, getting the final things organised. And then uh, finally, of course, race day arrived on the 12th of December and um, we all set off five minutes apart. Uh, that was quite an emotional moment, uh, leaving all the family on the key, I have to say. Um, and, uh, you know, the rest is history, really. We, we, we set off, uh, we were one of the most southerly boats, if not the most southerly boats. We tried to avoid some weather coming from the, the northwest. So we went all the way down the coast of Africa, a few hundred miles off it, mind you, and then uh, turned west and we hit uh, 17 degrees. Um, of latitude, which is where Antigua is, and just kept going, really, and we got there in 53 days, 3 hours and 42 minutes as the new world record holder. Incredible. Yeah, new world record holders, 53 days at sea. You spent Christmas and New Year uh, at sea. How was that for you? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, obviously, we there were a few emotional moments because we had uh, satellite phones and things like that to communicate with, so yeah, it was a little bit sad being out there on uh, Christmas Day, speaking to family at home. Um, you know, all, all, you know, all together and having fun. And there we were out there, very, you know, braced against the elements, really. But it was absolutely fine. I mean, honestly, um, we trained for it. Uh, we we mentally prepared for it, and uh, we just needed to do it. It was just, uh, it was like uh, two hours on, two hours off. And every two-hour session that you were you were on, you were thinking, well, five miles, and then I could eat and sleep, and then uh, round we go again, really. Amazing. Well, I remember when I was speaking to you and I came up to see you, uh, you know, you were talking to me about the psychological training you've been going through, you'd been going through, um, and training yourselves to eat, and obviously the physical training, uh, and you were trying to kind of put on lots of weight, because, I mean, looking at the photos and the videos of you guys crossing the line, my goodness, you lost a lot of weight during your trip. Did it kind of work out the way you expected it to? Any major surprises? And how was the food? Well, yeah, I, I hated the food to begin with. Um, and uh, then I got used to it, and then I quite liked it, funnily enough. Um, but I didn't eat enough. I mean, David was better than me at this. He was a bit heavier to start with. He lost eight kilograms during the row, which was, I think, ten um, percent of his body weight. Wow. The uh, I lost ten kilograms, which was thirteen percent of my body weight. So, quite a quite a big deal from that point of view. But um, 
mentally as well, you know, uh, we've been, I, I, every time I was sort of feeling a bit down, I would think uh, positive thoughts. Um, we, would, we were taught these four positives, with positive thoughts, positive actions, positive interactions, and positive purpose. And I could attach nice things, nice thoughts to all of those. Uh, and that made me feel better. Um, the thing that I can't get my head around, looking back on it, is how it was 53 days, because it just doesn't feel like that. You know, looking back on it, how did we do 320 two-hour sessions each um, on the oars uh, over that time? It just doesn't feel like that amount of time, you know. Tracking you was just fantastic. And, you know, kind of seeing the visuals that your team were putting out there so we could see exactly where you were was just absolutely epic. And, you know, it was just, it was a bit addictive, actually. It was like watching a soap on TV that you couldn't stop, you know, connecting with. It was fantastic. I mean, did you, I think when we spoke, you said you kind of expected a few tricky moments with waves and potential capsizing. Did you have any moments like that, as you expected? We had one or two moments with waves. We didn't capsize. I'm very pleased to say. Uh, I think we had so much kit on the boat. She was so weighed down um, that it would have been difficult to capsize her, actually. Um, but um, we had, uh, David particularly, had a, a, a sideways on road wave in the middle of the night, which uh, broke the um, part of the oar and, and snapped the rollock in half. So and knocked him sideways basically into the loo bucket, so that was a bit unfortunate. Oh, no. And uh, shook him up quite a lot. I had the most amazing experience of a roadway uh, rowing at night. Um, it, it hit us absolutely on the stern of the boat, uh, which couldn't be a better place, obviously, uh, and it exploded. And all I saw was tons of water, literally tons and tons of water going past me each side and over my head, dropped about a bucket of water in the boat. Um, and, and was gone, and it was just one huge wave, and we punched the whole straight through it, basically. Wow. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Uh, we did have a few moments um, in rough weather when the auto helm stopped working. That's, that's the thing that keeps you on track, basically. And the moment that goes off, you go sideways onto the waves, and we were being tossed around with waves breaking over us. And Actually, one of those happened uh, just as we were literally on a satellite phone call about to start an interview with the BBC um, and I literally all the alarms started going off and I just had to say to the BBC I'm terribly sorry uh, we're about to start the interview but I've got to go goodbye yeah safety first <laughs> so, priority yeah. is safety yeah yeah well there was nothing nothing we could do really uh, the day the same for God's sake get off the phone you know yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I saw at one point David had his uh, snorkel and mask on doing some maintenance to Lily. Lily's the boat, by the way, uh, to the boat uh, midway through. I mean, that must have been just odd for him and for yeah. you as well. I, he did it. He actually went over the side three times, I think. Um, I was on sharp watch. To be honest, it needed someone of his uh, athletic strength to 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 do that because um, it's a hell of a job. You get over the side of the boat, obviously we tied him on with a rope. I was The rope was tied to the boat. I was also holding the rope and I was on sharp watch. Uh, but the reason he went over was to knock all the barnacles off the bottom because they grow at an enormous rate and really slow you down. Um, so we did that twice. Uh, and the biggest problem is, is, is not getting off the boat or necessarily doing the barnacles, although that's exhausting especially getting back on the boat afterwards. 
Um, and I think that I'd have needed to have been dragged out, to be honest, if I'd done it. So he very kindly did that. He went over twice, uh, three times. Uh, the third time, we thought we had something caught around the rudder because we were going so slowly, but that turned out to be current, uh, as opposed to a plastic bag or something like that. So, uh, but yeah, that, that was, that was David swimming. Brilliant. And I can imagine, you know, trying to get back on the boat. It's a moving, it's a moving vessel, you know, and uh, it's quite a distance between, you know, the top and the sea. It's really odd. And I think unless you actually see the boat, you don't really understand how difficult that must be. Um, it was really, really challenging for him. It really was. Um, but, but he did it. No problem. What a superstar. And you um, very casually mentioned there you were on Shark Watch. Uh, yes. <laughs> did you see anything exciting animal wise? Not really. I mean, we saw uh, much less than we were hoping for. Um, we saw, as we were going down the African coast, we heard quite a lot of whales, um, particularly in the night. They would, they would come up and blow, you know, beside us. We saw um, um, a, a mother and calf uh, quite near the boat one morning um, that had obviously been hanging around us over, overnight. We saw one other whale. Um, we didn't uh, we saw a, a few turtles float past, quite a lot of Portuguese men of war, one or two pods of dolphins that roared past us that didn't stop and play, unfortunately. Um, and quite a lot of seabirds. That, that, that They were constant, literally, the whole way across. We had these, uh, these different types of birds uh, that, that obviously live out there and, you know, fish and rest on the water and all that sort of stuff. So that was amazing. Um, but not quite as much wildlife as we'd hoped. And what did you and David talk about? I mean, you think about 53 days. I mean, it doesn't matter who you're with, whether it's a colleague, your partner, your best friend, your dog. At some point, you're going to run out of things to talk about. Uh, was there any every moment where you were just like, oh, I've had enough of you now? I'm sure we both felt like that at times. But um, we, we obviously, there's quite a lot of uh, solo quiet rowing because you know it's particularly during the night the changeover happens and the person who's coming off the shift just goes straight to bed so there's no chit chat then there might be a couple of minutes on the changeover but that's it really uh, so we used to we used to do and basically you've got to remember that 12 to 13 hours a day is in darkness um so the, the other 12 hours a day let's say uh we would we would often you know, one person would cook, the other would row. We'd chat about all sorts of things, our families. Uh, Richard, uh, David's dad, Richard, who was a great friend of mine, uh, was a just regular topic of conversation. Um, we listened to a lot of music. Uh, one or two, um, David listened to quite a few e-books. Uh, uh, and I, I listened to one or two. I, I, <coughs> I decided I'd listen to the Harry Potter series. For the first time, never read them, never seen the films really. So, <laughs> I, 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 I did quite enjoy some of them actually. They're quite good, aren't they? I was a bit of an anti Harry Potter. Oh, a little bit. They're you know, quite good. There's a little bit focused towards the kids, I think. But, uh, but, but I did, uh, I did have a, some enjoyment from them. We listened to a hell of a lot of music as well. Oh, I bet you did. Uh, have you got a theme tune to the, uh, or a song in particular that you now listen back to and go, "Gosh, that reminds me of, of the trip." Is there anything that really? Quite, quite a few actually, um, because I, you know, I had a restricted. I, I think I had about four thousand songs on my uh, on my phone or something, 
but believe it or not, you go through them pretty damn quickly, particularly the ones you like. Yes, I bet. Um, and the, 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 the most exciting rowing I did was to Status Quo and their Rift album, which is all rock and roll and uh, really got me going. It made me feel like a young chap again, really. Love it. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, was there any other point, Guy, where you were just like, oh, do you know what? I just want to stop now. Or, I mean, I know we talked about, obviously, the positivity and, you know, you're, you've got a very strong mindset, which is brilliant, the pair of you. Um, but was there ever a point where you just thought, oh, well, I'd give up? Not give up, but uh, there were there were points where we got fed up, and that that was towards the end. I mean, at the beginning, you can't think about the end, right? Because if you think of trying to think about something that's fifty days ahead of you or fifty, sixty days ahead of you, um, that would be incredibly depressing. So you literally think, I've got two hours, I'll do my five miles, I'll eat and I'll sleep, and then I'll do it all again, and you don't really think much beyond that. Um, but obviously, after about 35, 40 days, your, some of your mates who are in the bigger boat, the quad, uh, i.e. Four, four rowers as opposed to two, are actually arriving in Antigua, and we're aware of that because we have calls with the safety officer, um, we're in touch with people at home, you know, one way or another. So we know exactly what's going on, and uh, so the jealousy starts creeping in. My God, they're there having a lovely time, and we're still out here. 500 miles away or more. Um, and uh, but the, the real challenge, I mean, we, we, we thought at one point we were going to have an exceptional time. We thought we were going to get there in 49 days. We ended up doing it in 53. Uh, and the reason that we didn't do it in 49 days is that about 10 days out from Antigua, uh, or what we thought was 10 days out, turned out to be two weeks, um, these, we were hit by these adverse currents and we were just stopped dead in our tracks. So normally when you get to that point in the row, you've got big trade winds behind you, you've got big surfing waves, and you're going like a train. We were, we were absolutely stopped dead. And uh, I remember one day, um, the people near us did about 60, 65 miles, and we did 24. And it was so depressing. Oh, I uh, bet. You never felt like giving up. Um, and honestly, you know, it was all worth it in the end because coming into Antigua was just magic. And actually, I'd love to know more about that moment when you can, you know, you can see the land. Uh, and I saw some photos that have been posted of, you know, the fact that you could see the land just in sight. I mean, the excitement must have been immense. But when you eventually cross that finish line, I mean, try to just, I can't imagine you'll be able to. I, I get goosebumps thinking about it. But how did it feel crossing that line? Uh, it was just the most incredible Thing. I mean, it, it was just, uh, you know, after all that time, I mean, we coming into the harbour was amazing because we could hear our family cheering from, you know, the, the old port, as it were, as you come into English Harbour. Uh, there were little boats whizzing around, uh, absolutely overladen with people all cheering. Um, we came in past the road, stupid yachts, and they all blew off their, their horns um, to welcome us. We went rode past a row of restaurants and they were playing We Are The Champions and dancing on the tables. And then we arrived at the quay and there were like 250 people waiting for us. It was just the most extraordinary, um, you know, extraordinarily emotional time. It was fantastic. Oh, I can imagine. And then stepping off the boat, I mean, how long how long did it take you to uh, feel normal again? Because, I mean, I've done a bit of sailing, but nothing to the extreme of your rowing. And it's quite difficult to kind of get your 
your land feet back and your balance back, how long did it take you to kind of feel normal again and get back into a regular way of life? Well, the, uh, there are three things that happen when you get off the boat. First is you do realise you cannot walk. Uh, so we were staggering about. And uh, although it improves marginally every day, it probably took me the best part of a month to get over that, uh, which I was incredibly surprised about. I mean, I came home after, you know, 10 days or something, and the following week I went for a bike ride, fell off. Um, you know, just couldn't get that balance right. Um, the other thing is when you step off the boat, I was foolish enough to wear sort of moccasin flat sole shoes. Um, and two days in, I could, couldn't walk because my calf muscles were just absolutely were searing agony. Um, your calf muscles literally disappear when you row. Wow, yeah. <laughs> for that length of time. So, so that was a really good lesson in evolution for me. Um, how that, how that all works. And the final bit that I've still got problems with is my hands, actually. Uh, so your your hands, not blisters on them, but your hands just, um, you can't you can't sort of curl them up. You can't grip anything. Um, uh, it's not claw hands because that's, you know, when you've got a claw and what can't straighten it, the hands are perfectly straight. It's actually closing your hands that's the problem. But they're all getting better. It just takes forever and ever to do it. Apparently that's going to happen for another, I'm still going to have this for another month or two. Wow. Um, and then and then that, that should see the end of it. It's a bit like, I imagine it's a bit like arthritis or something like that. Yeah, or repetitive strain injury. I mean, you can imagine, you know, 53 days of gripping like that. Your hands are probably going, thank goodness, I don't have to do that anymore. I refuse to open a jar, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, have you, have uh, you no, been on right. a boat Have you been on a boat again since? Are you planning to row any more, Guy? Are you going to do it again? Oh, well, I, I've, I've been on my rowing machine. Um, the weather hasn't really been perfect for rowing on the river yet, so I will be starting that hopefully in the next week or so. Uh, that sculling, you know, and double get on single sculls, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, no, I certainly want to get back on, on both. I'm, I'm probably not uh, going to row another ocean, I wouldn't have thought. Um, I think, you know, you've done when you've done that, you wake up every day, uh, it's the same sky, it's the same sea. Uh, there's not a hell of a lot to, to, to look at. Um, we've been through the waves, the rain, the squalls, the sun, you know, all that sort of stuff. Why would I do it again? Uh, <laughs> well, quite, and you have a world record. And we have a world record, yeah. <laughs> I think David, my fellow rowing partner, uh, may well do it again, uh, or something similar again. He's talking about doing a trio and trying to do the oldest three to, to um, go across uh, on a competitive basis. But we'll, we'll see, we'll see. TBC. And what about Lily? Where's the boat now? So Lily was sold um, before we went. Uh, she was actually sold to the safe, chief safety officer of the race, um, Jackal Ian, who uh, was going to, he took delivery of her in Antigua um, with a view to taking her on to the west coast of the state to row from Monterey to Hawaii um, with a rowing partner. But unfortunately, his plan didn't come off. I think the rowing partner um, couldn't, couldn't continue for some reason. So she's back. Uh, she's back in Burnham on Crouch in Essex. I've just seen a picture of her on her trailer. Um, and uh, But she no longer belongs to us, which I'm rather sad about. Actually. I bet. <laughs> I bet, because I can imagine you become quite attached to the vessel. You, you do. She was a lovely boat. She looked after us really, really well. 
And just finally, Guy, obviously the most important thing here is raising money for Unlimited, your charity of choice, which is encouraging entrepreneurs of the future and people that may not have access to, um, you know, the likes of funding or experience. And it's a fantastic charity. Where are you on uh, the fundraise? Like, Because I know you had some amazing targets and you were doing incredibly well, but I'd love to know where you're at now uh, and what the target is with, you know, between now and whenever. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, firstly, I think we've probably just about come to the end. There's a, there's a trickle now of funding still coming in. Um, but uh, we never really expected it to go much beyond the end of March. Um, people have been incredibly generous. We've raised a couple of hundred thousand in sponsorship and we've raised over half a million in um, donations. So we are actually now... In fact, I got a call a couple of weeks ago from the charity saying, Guy, you'll be pleased to know that as of today, you've raised £750,001. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, so we've, we've done really well. Um, I think we're probably 755 something like that now. Um, and, and I think we are, you know, it, we're on the last knocking. But uh, listen, you know, if they gave fifteen to 20000 to each entrepreneur, they back and each entrepreneur, uh, beneficially impact the lives of over 300 people as, as they believe and we've certainly done a lot to to help the, um, the community. I couldn't agree with you more and you know after speaking to the charity as well about the great stuff you guys have been doing and other people raising money for their charity you know it's a fantastic cause and it's you know helping people that just wouldn't have access to uh, so many things it's incredible so well done um, Guy thank you so much congratulations again world record holders you've crossed the Atlantic I'm incredibly proud of you as somebody I know but I'm just in awe if you excuse the pun but uh, thank you for talking to me on Lockpod again today and well done to you and David. You're very kind. Thank you very much.